What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Whitetail Edge Podcast, a podcast designed to make you a better whitetail hunter. Now, your host, Ben Rising, and myself, Dylan Gandy. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Whitetail Edge Podcast. I'm not really sure which one this is, um, but yeah, we're recording. This is the second time today. Um, I'm no longer with Ben. Uh, we had a great podcast with Lee Ellis. Uh, I hope you guys um, enjoyed that uh, episode. If you haven't listened, go back and check that out. It's the episode right before this one. Um, great conversation with Lee Ellis. But today I'm here with uh, one of the team guys, and his name is Jeff Klump. What's up, man? Hey, Dylan. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. Well, it's like we haven't been hanging out <laughs> all, <laughs> all day all, all day, and some yesterday. Jeff... Uh, Jeff just got in from Indiana last evening and drove five hours here. Um, and as soon as he got here, he got out of the truck and got in my truck. We went glassing, but it was fun, man. I'm glad we got to do that. Oh, absolutely. You asked me like what I wanted is like, let's go glassing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was perfect. Uh, the smoke had finally cleared from the Canadian wildfires a little bit. It's the night before I went glassing and it was like crazy. It was like, I don't know. So the night before, like, for some reason, I didn't get, like, the news coverage. I felt like it should have because, like, or maybe it did. I just don't watch the news. But I was, like, driving around glass, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, it's like this heavy fog all over. I couldn't hardly see anything. And anyway, so I'm glad that the smoke cleared a little bit, and we saw a couple of good ones. Nothing, nothing giant, but. Oh, definitely some good bucks. Yeah, some yeah. good bucks. But it was fun. So anyway, Jeff was here. He came in for uh, his interview for... Uh, his episode on White Tail Edge that's going to drop this uh, this July. Well, I don't know if it'll be July, but August or something like that, September. And um, this is your first year on the show. So for anybody that doesn't know you, Jeff, why don't you give us a little background? Okay, yeah. Again, I'm Jeff Klump. I'm from southwest Indiana, just outside of Evansville, Indiana. And I came from a, a small town and grew up hunting. I was that kid and just growing up, going with my Went with my dad and my two brothers, hanging up ladder stands, you know, just just growing up in the outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. And just um, after that, I went to college, played some baseball in college, and then decided to join the Marine Corps, spent some time in the Marine Corps. And then uh, I was in Indianapolis for a little bit, working a job. Then I moved back home to reset, get back to my roots, and, and put the boots back in the, on the ground and, and hit the woods again. I hear you. So uh, you do have like a... Just make sure you move back up on that mic. Um, <clears throat> now that I've gotten to know you a little bit and stuff, um, I think what you got going on is super interesting. Uh, like everything that you're doing, and, and we're obviously going to get into that. Like, I feel like this episode uh, should be more like land management specific, I guess, because that's like what you're doing like <laughs> all the time all the time like every time i call jeff jeff is out putting another analogics food plot in or he's tearing this out and putting that in or he's always got a project going on 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 your farm there and um so starting out like how did you ever even manage to and i, I obviously know this stuff about you already but i want our audience to kind of get to know you in like this genuine way I don't want to like just tell everybody, or do you think we should? Like, do we just like get it out of the way and like tell everybody? 
Yeah, I'll just kick it off. Yeah, go so, ahead. <laughs> so when I moved back home from my, my job up in Indianapolis, moved back home and just kind of reset because I was moving around quite a bit. I, I missed the country way of life and how much hunting I used to do growing up. And then uh, also my plan was to start my own business. I had a great idea, and I just put it on, on paper, and then I got my first truck and hired my first employee. And my, my goal was, my dream was to build a company be passionate with it. I'm still passionate with my, my company now, and um, just start buying some some land, some dirt, mm-hmm. and just my my family has some some uh, acreage. You know, always, I've been blessed to hunt on, and and but I want it's I want to have the feeling of knowing what it felt like to hunt my own property. Mm-hmm. I so, think we all do, really. Oh, I mean, oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah, where we have some control, I think. <clears throat> Most whitetail hunters that are serious are like control freaks in a sense, right? <laughs> right. Like we want, we want to be able to like do our best. I mean, obviously we can't control deer and what they do, or if they decide to go off of our property and get shot by a neighbor or whatever, like we can't control that. But we like to have things in our control as much as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that's that, and it's just like this. I don't know, sense of accomplishment, I guess, to be able to own your own dirt. And we got into that with the with the episode with Tori and whatnot. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, I guess, for someone that would be out of the realm. But I feel like everyone that's obviously listening to this understands, like, what it means to, to own your own dirt or, you know, how we all strive to to own our own dirt. Oh, absolutely. It's just something, a different feeling inside when you're developing your own property. You know yeah. what's going to be like. A year from now, five years, ten years down the road. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like that, just that excitement, I guess. Like, I can't say, like, I can't put myself in that situation because I don't have a farm yet. But I know one day, like, when I finally step foot on it, like, I know it's like the excitement. Like, I mean, I get the excitement on places that I don't even own right now. So, I can only imagine. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, going back to I had about one truck and couple employees and then start growing the company and it just one thing left led after another you know just doing the bump and grinding i was going going to bed with my laptop waking up my laptop waking up three four o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning thinking about something mm-hmm. going to my home office just just doing that for three four years just really building the company putting all into it and timing's everything i'm just mm-hmm. glad it all happened before my kids yep. came along because of how much time i spent on growing a company yeah well and that like just to add in there too because i you know how long have i known you now like a year maybe probably so maybe a little over a year i'm not sure but um obviously there's still things that i'm learning about you and today we were just kind of talking about that start of your company and whatnot and you had mentioned like some of the sacrifices that you made so i just didn't want guys to like be like oh this guy's had it handed to him because I know, like you told me, some of the sacrifices that you made, and I respect it. Yeah, when I moved back home, I pretty well restarted everything. I sold my truck. I had a had a motorcycle. I sold that. I had a duplex. I, mean, I just literally restarted everything and and got the initial capital to start to buy a truck and start growing from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like how you had mentioned, so your company is a safety company, right? It, like, it is. Yes. Yeah. So. Like basically Jeff's company, companies will call him if they're doing road work and stuff, correct? And then Jeff's company will come in like a fleet and do like flagging or barricades and stuff like that. So you're like getting subcontracted out. Right, yes. We started really small just doing this 
railway shutting roads down to hand flagging to this is simple stuff. Now we're doing bigger interstate projects, shutting down interstate. It just the bottleneck of Cincinnati. We've shut that down. Mm-hmm. It's it's just wild. Like where we started at and where we're at now. Would you have ever imagined? I knew the potential was there, but I didn't know if I was able to get there. Right, but you did. <laughs> it wasn't easy. So obviously that is a lucrative business. You've done well for yourself. Um, apparently because you've, you've gotten a pretty good chunk of land in Indiana and you've gotten to dabble in some other States too. Um, nothing huge out of state, but you've gotten, um, you know, some smaller pieces in Kentucky and Illinois. Um, and then you like getting some leases here and there. I know you just got some straight permission spots. Like you're still hustling and you're not, and, and Another thing, like you haven't put all your eggs in one basket there on your bigger farm in Indiana either. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Even though I have my own dirt, I'm still looking daily yeah. on different leasing websites, um, just seeing what, what property I can get, you know, getting permission. That's what I'm trying to do now, getting Urban Buck, mm-hmm. especially at the podcast today with Seek One. It's like, yeah. I need to get off the couch, go <laughs> knock on some doors. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a whole other ball game. that's... I don't know if you want that. <laughs> I don't know if you want that. Um, no, it's fun. But so where am I going to go here? Basically, <clears throat> I guess like how much, because I see what you're doing now on your land and stuff like that. And it's your business. You've got it to a point where you've got the right people in the right places. And it, it's alleviated some time. Like you've still spent a lot of time just on the phone today. Like, figuring things out but i you know you got us we just had a storm hit indiana and that caused for you being on the phone here and there but i'd say for the most part which you've told me like you got some of the right guys in the right places that can help run things and it's alleviated time for you to like get out and do stuff on your farm yeah absolutely um early on it was i had a major impact on like starting the company and growing the company now I'm blessed to be surrounded by a great leadership team. Mm-hmm. I have operation manager, account managers. They pretty well just run daily operations. They run things past me now. Like we just had storm go through Indiana, and it's crazy what's going on in Indiana. But uh, yeah, it's my leadership team allows me to free myself up and focus on the farm. And my my favorite days are either out in the field visiting my team members, doing the jobs, or doing farm work. When mm-hmm. I'm doing farm work, I'm hands. I work with my hands. I'm just my mind's clear. Yep. Yeah. So how much like of this land stuff did you do beforehand? Very little with my dad, my brother. Yeah. So just like smaller projects, smaller pieces, I imagine like just little kill plots basically. Pretty well. Yes. Okay. So now you've got this, this farm and I want you to just like kind of explain what your farm was when you first bought it, because obviously you came upon this like beautiful blank canvas yeah so my wife and i um we, we talked about buying some property and our goal was to build our dream home you know and mm-hmm. and a, a local neighbor stopped me and said hey you know uh, i think this property's gonna come up for sale and, and i approached the, the the buyer and got a realtor and it was my dream came true mm-hmm. and then once i purchased that and down the road somebody knew i purchased that property and like hey this is also coming available it butts up to your property i'm like well, I think I'm good, but <laughs> yeah. I better snag it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, so you snagged it up, and um, 
so what's that property look like when you first get it? Uh, just uh, it's a there's not really big timber on it. It just need a lot of work, a lot of cover. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, like the after the farmers pick the fields, there's no food. So I initially thought like I had to bring in a lot of food here. The, the, the deer are here, mm-hmm. plenty of water, cover, and does. Mm-hmm. So they just need to increase the food intake. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially in Indiana, like, you know, there's no supplemental feeding. There's no baiting. I mean, in the off season, you can, right? Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you can't just, like, put out, like, giant corn piles in Indiana and keep deer, which, I mean, really, that's hard to do anywhere. But uh, basically, like, food plots are king, especially trying to keep your deer on your farm and you guys have a crazy long gun season. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. So like, dude, I, I've hunted Indiana, you know that, like, and I actually had a piece that wasn't too far from your house, which was just weird, but I leased a piece out there. And, um, I feel like Indiana is, I love Indiana. Honestly, I loved hunting out there. I only got to hunt out there literally two days, <laughs> but it was just, um, it's definitely a looked over state. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just really love Indiana. Like, I think it just has so much potential out there. Yeah, so uh, I grew up hunting in Indiana, and I do think it's very well overlooked, you know, and the main focus is the neighboring state, Illinois, and then you got yeah, Ohio, Ohio yeah. you got Kentucky south of us, so yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, <laughs> I don't know why it gets so overlooked, though. It's like literally in between two of the, some of the best states in the country. Right. And then like nobody, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to me. But I think, like, without the gun se- like, if the gun season got changed a little bit, I feel like it could be a freaking mecca. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's so diverse. Like, Indiana is so diverse like Ohio. Like, it's just got everything that you can imagine. Like, right. It's got the it's got the flat ag land. It's, you get down towards, like, Kentucky and that southern, or uh, that south uh, eastern part of Indiana, and it looks a lot like where we were at Ben's today. Like, it's just, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, like, still good dirt, like, even where, like, really, there's just good dirt everywhere to be able to grow, like, mass crop or food plot. And um, so your farm, I got to come out there and turkey hunt. You invited me out there, and I finally got to see it, and it was really awesome. You would have never even imagined that you were in Indiana. Most people think we're in Kansas. Well, yes. (laughs) And last year when you filmed that buck, Double Deuce, uh, coming through those grasses and stuff. Remember, I used that as a social clip, and I was like, what state is this? Right. I think most people did say Kansas. <laughs> but um, so when I went out there in Turkey on it, I actually took a video, and I was like, it was just hard for me to believe, like, this is Indiana. You know what I mean? But there's also places in Ohio where you go to and you feel like you're in West Virginia or whatever. But uh, So it's all strip mine, right? Yeah, so southwest Indiana is very coal mine area so yeah from many years back to still coal mines today still operating in southwest indiana yeah yeah you actually took me to see a coal mine there <laughs> that's right yeah what yeah. yeah that was pretty cool because uh when remember when we were driving through there and that bobcat ran across the road and he was ch- like he had to be chasing that turkey or whatever oh yeah that's right yeah that was a big old gobbler yeah. too when people come to visit southwest indiana i usually try to take them to the coal mine because People really don't understand that they still do exist, you know. And oh, yeah. Just the machinery and the holes, you know. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, the f- freaking holes there are insane, dude. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, I don't know, they're just, like, digging the earth up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was designed for that. but Right. Um, yeah, so 
what all do you have going on out there? I guess like when you come up on this piece and like, where does your mind go first? Of obviously, you said this place is lacking food. It's got plenty of cover. What was like the first order of business? Yeah, first I pulled up my Deercast maps and trying to see uh, different wind directions and the, my access points, and that's kind of where I started developing the property really. And um, I first wanted a good clover plot, so which exists today. Mm-hmm. We actually expanded out a little more. Is that what you call the kill plot up there? No. Oh. No. Which one? Did I go to that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we passed through there, but the kill plot. You got so many food plots, Jeff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't keep up either. <laughs> I have a good helping hand. Like okay. My, my buddy Trav really yeah. helps me out. <laughs> so you established the first clover plot. And what, what, what did you see right off the bat? I mean, was it like instant a lot more deer. I mean, I imagine you were running cameras on it before you even put your first food plot in. So what were you saying right then and there, I guess, like when you first put cameras up, did you have food plots or were you running cameras before you did anything? Yeah, we did. And, uh, we we had a camera, Spartan camera on there. It was just a newly established. So I feel like it took a little bit for the deer to really find it, you know? Sure. And then, um, the next plot I went to was, um, we call it the guardrail, like a nice little pinch area. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be a, a perfect spot. And I mean, it's good, but not like what I really, I thought it was going to be my prime right. hunting spot. But um, So were you running cameras on the farm before you did anything? No, this is my first time. When I bought the property, I didn't even step foot on it. You got it. to work quick, I had, basically. Oh, yeah. Okay. I bought, yeah, purchased the property in June. Okay. And I just heard Okay, it. so you were like right in the heart of coming up on like late summer plots and right I, you know i go back i think it was i said clover but now i remember it's june so we had to get beans in the ground oh okay so so beans right off the bat right in the first year if you see some of the footage you might see some random trees in the food plot because we'd have time to <laughs> remove all the trees but it was just rush 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 so did everything so like for the first year were did you feel like your expectations were met did were they exceeded or what yeah, um, I had a lot of help, like, help me out and stuff. So I think the people that did help me. But, yeah, I mean, I was excited. I, I thought I would see more mature bucks, but it's part of developing a property, right? We, we have yep. so many deer on there, a lot of upcoming bucks. Yep. But, yeah, I was pretty happy. Yeah. So um, where did you – how far away – it wasn't far where you, like, grew up from there. No. Like, so you kind of knew, like – what the deer density was in the area. Right. I knew it was high volume of deer. Okay. So basically you go in there, you get your food plots established. You notice like, like this first year, like how many plots did you end up putting in like that first year? You think on the farm, I put in five food plots, five. And then you've got a permission piece like next door. Right. Right. That's pretty big. Right. And you ended up buying part of that in the back, right? Where, um, we set up in that redneck and turkey hunted that big field. Yeah. You own yeah. that like back portion. That's correct. Yeah. It's uh, just probably about half mile, mile away. I feel like we are hunting some of the same deer, but mostly you can still run into like different deer, different herd. Yes. Yeah. So your season last year, obviously, you know, we just like done episodes and finished those up and I already knew like some of the encounters you had, but dude, you encountered some really nice deer that I think a lot of people would have pulled the trigger on. Um, I mean, it goes against like what your whole goal and intention was on that farm. And that is to grow a booner. Right. Yeah. Um, 
it was my first year with Whitetail Edge, and definitely want to get a good uh, deer on film and harvest a good a good shot too, right? And it was difficult, yeah, you know. And I didn't want to just shoot a deer on film and not be fully satisfied. Yeah. So it, it was hard. Like that one buck was one fifty something, you know. And but which one was that? Double deuce. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, that was a stud. Like he, he just a young buck had so much potential, but mm-hmm. it's. I'm developing this property for a reason, you know. You can't grow booners if you're killing 150s. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know how you did it because, like, the, um, I don't know, just the pressure of, like, trying to film for a show and stuff like that. And I'm just glad. I'm really glad that you didn't just cave and bust one of your three- or four-year-olds. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to do because it was kind of in the middle zone, you know. I, was, I remember I text you and Ben, like, hey, I, I can easily kill this buck. Yeah. He's going to show up again. I got on my camera. He's, I got him pattern. And Ben's like, are you happy with him? I said, ah. He goes, there you go. He <laughs> just answered it. Yeah. I was like, all right, I respect that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Double Deuce was, like, the first deer you encountered on your farm. Yeah, yeah I mean, I saw some, like, smaller bucks. Yeah, I mean, like, a good bigger, yeah. bigger buck, yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he made it, you think? Uh, I think... Uh, a neighbor to the south end up taking him out. I know. <laughs> Dang it, dude. But it was later in the rut, so I think yeah. he got some breeding in. I was, yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I was just going to say, like, how cool would it be, like, that first one that you pass? I try to forget about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, what about White Sox? Is that on your farm? Yes, White okay. Sox. He is continuously hitting our, our uh, clover plot, you know, mm-hmm. pro clover by analogics, and they, he was a frequent flyer going through there. He's another hard to pass up to. Yeah. He's probably four and a half. He, he, he's getting some gray on. He's looking, I think he's going to be a shooter this year. Yeah. And you had a super, how, how many encounters did you end up having with that ear? Oh man. Uh, probably three or four. Yeah. And I know one of them, he walked literally what? 12 yards. Right, if that right in front of your redneck. Yeah. Right underneath the redneck. He could have yeah. smoked him. Yeah. Um, that another hard pass. I mean, what did you think? He was definitely, what do you think he scored last year? Uh, one mid one forties, yeah, yeah, one fifties. Good, really be, nice deer. Yeah, just a perfect yeah. ten. Um, so yeah, dude, just I was pretty impressed. Like some of the deer you were passing, and then um, so you started off in Indiana, um, just hunted your butt off, man, and it just didn't work out. That's just you know how the game goes sometimes, and then um, you ended up going to uh, Illinois on a I'll let you. I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, it was my second year going to Illinois, and as a a nonprofit veteran organization, they uh, invite veterans to come and hunt. And their goal is to help veterans um, come back from deployment, veterans that served overseas. It's a great organization, and I was blessed enough to to go. And this past year, uh, they asked me if I want to bring one of my Marine Corps buddies. Like, absolutely. I took one of my close buddies in the Marine Corps, Trey. And um, it was something special, you know. And I invited another friend of mine. He didn't go hunting; he just came and just hung out. It was just yeah. a good brotherhood out in the out in the woods. It was no outfitter, you know. It was just good eating. We hunted. It was just a great time. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to your buddy Trey too because you you kind of filled me in on what happened over there. And I know he uh, he paid a he paid a price over there. I know you all did in a sense, but you know he paid a unfortunately he paid a physical. Uh, price over there so yeah. um just like a lot of guys did um obviously he was lucky enough to come home but i know he paid 
you know, a price, like I said. So just a shout out to Trey, and I know he's a hunter and stuff, so <laughs> I know uh, hopefully, hopefully he appreciates that. But yeah, absolutely, I'm sure he, he's loving it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so anyway, you're you're in Illinois, and I know I know how the story goes. So go ahead and and let these guys uh, fill them in on what happens next. Well, before I went to Illinois, I was in in Kentucky. Yeah, you mean start with Kentucky? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, circle back a little bit and tell okay. us about the Kentucky, and then, um, you know, when you end up getting the, the right. picture. Okay. So yeah, it was late October, and I, I was hunting a little bit in Indiana, but I wasn't really getting any really good mature bucks on my Spartan cameras. And then one morning I woke up, and first thing I always do every time I wake up is check my Spartan app, see what kind of movement went through the night, what's showing up. Yeah, I woke up, I shook my head two or three times. I was like, am I dreaming? Because <laughs> when you're in the in that grind, you, you dream about big oh, bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, I just had this giant on my camera. And I was so excited, I woke up my wife. And she's like, what are you doing with me? <laughs> I was like, you got to see this buck. And I just packed up real quick and went down to Kentucky. And I, I sat from a distance and trying to see if I can see this buck. I didn't want to ruin anything. I had a good win. Turns out, I mean, I was bumping and grinding. I was waking up. I had to wake up about over two hours early to drive down to Kentucky, get in a boat, boat upstream 20, 30 minutes into a creek and climb up my Novix. And then I hope the wind shifts tomorrow, so I had to break everything down yeah. and swing around different wind. <clears throat> I so hard. hold on. B- before you move forward, I'm sorry, but um, what did this buck score, just so people can get a grasp here? Yeah, so – I had a scheduled hunt in Illinois with this veteran hunt, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm, I'm chasing this." Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm I, I want you. To, I want you to stay in the Kentucky story. Uh, okay. What did he score? Two thirty-four. Okay. Now continue. <laughs> He's a mega giant. Yeah, mega giant. Yeah. So when I got to Illinois, and I got, I got a, a picture of this the buck I was chasing in Kentucky, he scored two thirty-four on the back of a trailer. Like, well. My buddy just whacked him. Yeah. I felt so bad because I didn't tell anybody he was down there. Because I, I, I don't know. I just try to be open, and honest with everything. And, <laughs> and when he when he sent me that picture, like, yeah, I was actually chasing that buck for a while. Oh wait, so you knew this guy before? Yeah, yeah. Like he he, he was hunting about a mile from me, mile and a half from me. Oh, so wait, how did you meet this guy? Well, through like going down to my my camp, you know. Uh-huh. And then just they, they, I knew they hunted down there and. Okay. Yeah. So okay, I was just like I got confused for a second. I thought you had like invited that guy down on your property to hunt. No, he was just hunting nearby. Gotcha. The place in Kentucky, you uh, pay a a fee to get a permit yeah, to go right. hunt this okay. large piece of property. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anybody can go hunt. It's not considered public, but if you want to pay a fee, you can go hunt. Oh my gosh! I know it. And there was a two thirty running on it. Two thirty four. Two thirty. Dude. Yeah. It was wild. I guess I haven't fully grasped what you were trying to say there, but now I get it. Like, anybody could have went and hunted. Anybody. Like, I could have paid a fee and went and hunted. Absolutely, yeah. Dang. Yeah. I'm not telling you where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you would. That's just the type of guy you are, but I wouldn't go down there. But, man, that's insane. So, like, I just thought, because you own a little piece down there. Yeah, just a small piece. Very small piece. So... That's why, that's why I just I just got confused. I thought that like you were, I don't know what I was thinking. My small piece butts up to this large, this large uh, acreage where you can go hunt if you get a yeah. permit. So long story short, it went to a very well deserving uh, gentleman. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's sixty four years old, and yeah. and you know, he, 
I'm 36, you know, I'm just, I was so happy. Yeah, the biggest he, year of his life, I hope. Absolutely. <laughs> just seeing like the, the joy in him and, and it brought all of his friends together. And I'm just glad he welcomed me to his, his house and, yeah, and talk to talk about my chase, his chase, you know. It's, yeah, you got to go put hands on him. And, yeah. Man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, it's not very – I've never had the opportunity to chase anything even close to that big. So, like, just to even, you know, get a picture of that deer would be like – right. After he was killed, it was, it was crazy how many. I didn't realize how many other people knew of him and been watching him throughout the summer. They're just you staying know? quiet. Just staying quiet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I was doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, unbelievable. And we're gonna actually show just a little bit of that story on on your episode. So I'm looking forward forward to that and like kind of putting that together. And I haven't even seen everything, obviously, because I haven't started on your episode, but. Uh, and you just brought footage, so I'm kind of, like, excited to, like, put this story together. Because, dude, like, ultimately, your story from this past season was really good. It was a lot of bumping and grinding, and you encountered a lot of really good up-and-coming bucks. Like, I'm, I think I'm more excited than you are for this upcoming season for you, because I think you're going to kill a, a slimer. Not to put pressure on you, but. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, especially going back to, like, Indiana, I was, I had so many Spartan cameras out, I just, I, I was struggling to find a good mature buck to target, mm-hmm. and then I, then I got focused on Kentucky. And after he was killed, I'm like, all right, yeah, time to move on. Let's find something else. Yeah. So that's not where the story stops. Yeah. So I went to Illinois and we hunted on that veteran hunt. Mm-hmm. And then when I was about to leave um, Illinois, my Spartan camera I just put out. It's just a small little parcel I have, not not on my main farm, and um, there's a giant. I call him Sergeant Major. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, just the yeah. older gentleman, just walks around respected. Like, yeah. There's my new target buck. Yeah, and I've seen pictures, and he is uh, definitely deserves respect. I mean, dude, he is a freaking giant. Right. Um, just describe him. Yeah, so was, the rut was going on. I think it was like the second or third week of November, and I, I wasn't getting any daylight pictures, but I knew he was going in and out of where I had my camera out. And I knew at one time he's going to daylight. And I want to be there when he does daylight. I just figured he's just making his routine, you know, checking does. Yep. And I had a, I had a good wind. And I, I found a major creek crossing. I was like, I'm going to sit right here. And I set four all-day sits. And I knew he was coming. I knew he was coming. And then it would be like one of those, like, you see a small a rack flash. You all make, oh, there he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But heart, anyways. Heart sinks. The fifth day, I had to go back home and. And do daddy duties, right? I take care of my kiddos and just go yep. to recharge my batteries. And what do you know? Sergeant Major passes by 12.09 on the fifth day. Like, that's hunting, though. So what happens after? I mean, well, there was a timber company coming in and, and timbering a lot of a lot of the property, moving their way like towards my, my small little piece. I mean, it's mm. very small. And then... I went back out there. Like, all right, I had to pack up my my hunts over with. And those guys were actually really nice. They're like, I was stopping looking. They knew. I think they knew I was hunting in there. Like, oh, you should see this. There's this mega giant like crossing the road right here. I'm like, please don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So this is was this a piece you own? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And did they timber your property? They did not. No. Okay. Right up to me. Gotcha. I was I was hunting. Like it, it, yeah, and it's a smaller piece. It's so a like, shotgun too. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter if they were on your piece or not. Like they're still right. I mean, disturbing everything. Man, that sucks. I know. So just 
that's just the way it went for you in Indiana, man. And that's kind of like that was your last, wouldn't you say, that was like your last opportunity really in Indiana? It was, yeah. Yeah, I still went back and hunted different spots just in case what else would show up, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had a, another 150 that just hit my cameras. And I was like, I kind of want to see this buck, like, I want to see him like walk by. Make sure I'm not under judging by the camera. Yeah, I hunt a little bit. I never did see him. I wasn't too worried about it. Then I packed up and went to Alabama to enjoy a January rut. Yeah. Well, before that, um, you had some good deer passing through uh, again, though, in like Illinois and stuff, though, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was a new piece. I never did go hunt my property. I just closed on it. Mm-hmm. Actually, like I didn't close on it during deer season. It was like later on. Yeah. But it was pending sale. I went, went and threw up a camera, and I had really good buck movement going through there. Yeah. So, so man, you got a lot of exciting, you know, stuff coming up for this season, though. Like, yeah. I'm sure the anticipation is, yeah. is high. The the property in Illinois, it's another smaller piece, and it's it looks really good. It, it used to be a, a, a food plot on a, on a ridge top, and, and I didn't even put the camera on the ridge because there was no food there. I just put it on a main trail. It looked really good. Mm-hmm. So now I went in there this March, I believe it was, and, and scratched the service, cleaned it up, and then put some Pro Clover by Analogics out. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I have not – I went back here actually the other day to plant a bunch of chestnut trees and pear trees. and But um, it should be a pretty good food plot this year. I'm, yep. like, I'm excited. Like in August, I'm going to launch some cameras. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, all right, so, yeah, let's, let's hop into Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Can you sing it for me? Sweet. Well, I was just thinking like uh, Forrest Gump. (laughs) Yeah, so Alabama, it was always uh, has been something I always wanted to do. I thought it was really cool how Alabama's ruts in January, like everything Mm. in the Midwest, things are really winding down. You know, Indiana's closing. Different states are closing, except for for Ohio. You ever heard of Florida's deer seasons? No. Like. Man, don't quote me. I almost feel like I should like look this up before I say anything. But right. I think um, you can go ahead and keep keep talking. Yeah. So I, I always wanted to go to Alabama. I, I booked uh, made, or made plans like ahead of time that season. Like I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go do it. So talked to the wife and I went down there and and just got set up in a really good spot. I was bow hunting and and I had a lot of deer activity. Okay. So I was right. Well, I didn't say it, but. That's what I was thinking, but it sounds so crazy. So, in Florida, deer rut starts in July. <laughs> so, that and that is just crazy to me because July, you think about July here in Ohio and how miserably hot it can be. You think about the southern part of Florida in July, how hot that has to be and those deer are rutting. Sounds miserable. Dude. So they start in July in the southern part of the state and runs through February in the north, which is just that is crazy, right? Um, so I guess deer breeding dates are more predictable. This is per Google. Deer breeding dates are more predictable in the northern U.S., where winters are too harsh for fawn survival. <laughs> De- Deer breeding in our state is more variable because of our mild winters. That is just crazy. July. Very interesting. I wonder if, I wonder if you can hunt in July in Florida in the southern part. I don't know. One thing I did learn about when I was down in Alabama, how there's so many different species of deer, right? Yeah. And just, that's why this rut comes in so late, just 
part of this deer herd. And what's crazy about Alabama deer too, where I was hunting at, they have a black stripe down like their back, yeah, over their head. It just so the archery season in the southern part of Florida starts July 29th. You going to Florida? <laughs> no. <laughs> that sounds miserable to me, honestly. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And this is zone A. Like, I don't know. Like, I know stuff, like, varies, but uh, it could be, like, July 30th. I don't know what year this was, but July 29th through August 27th is their archery season. That's weird. Right, right. Oh, but they're actually doing one thing, right? They do have a separate crossbow season. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Alabama has been on your radar for some reason. Some guy from the Midwest wants to go down to the South and hunt. <laughs> it was because the Midwest was closing, and I still want to. I want still want to chase some whitetails. There, yeah, I know. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. It just reminds me of like a fisherman that is, uh, you know, I want to get my bait as far out in the water as I can, and then they get a boat and they're casting the banks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Southern Southern guys are like, I want to go to Indiana, and Jeff's like, I'm going to Alabama. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I like to start like harvesting deer in different states and have like I don't know, like I've seen some some mounts of like the flag of each state on the yeah. bottom of it. You yeah, know, just, no, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just joking, like, but that would be kind of an experience to go down to Southern Florida in July and bow hunt. We should book it next year. Man, that sounds so hot, though, the, dude. The wives go to the beach. We go sweat and deer scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're having a great time. We're getting eaten by mosquitoes <laughs> and ticks. I don't know. Maybe. We'll look into it. Here we go. It's not like on my radar. But <laughs> So what happens in Alabama? Yeah, so day one was kind of slow, you know. Uh, not whole. I mean, there's some activity, not a whole lot. And not what I thought with the, I mean, this is Alabama rut. I've heard mm-hmm. deer run around everywhere. And we, we went to a different spot, and, and uh, on day two, woke up. Deer cast said, great. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this, you know. And then uh, we're in a major traffic corridor, but where we were set up at was just about 40 yards shy of where the bucks were cruising through. And, again, like, it's different throughout the state, but Alabama, do have, they have smaller deer, you know. So yeah. was, I couldn't, like, really judge the deer in Alabama versus, like, here in Illinois, Ohio, and you know, Kentucky. And... Um, got midday and broke everything down and moved 40 50 yards to where the bucks were cruising through and then uh that day about uh, i don't even know what time it was about two o'clock here comes a buck on a on a hot doe and i had deer all around me i bet that that full day we saw at least 40 deer it was great just deer everywhere yeah and did you see anything like big big or no uh not really no no it was like they're chasing so much is that like you see a bug and go yeah, just a blur yeah what was crazy too in Alabama where I was at I was still like doing some research like don't grunt if you grunt they think it it's a hog and then they'll just bolt yeah so hmm. isn't yeah just throw the extinguisher out the window I guess <laughs> <laughs> I had my extinguisher and I was thinking about doing it. I was like yeah, I keep reflecting back like don't don't call throw yeah. it away well it's also <laughs> coming from the guys that was letting dogs crawl over you <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> canine <laughs> Oh, goodness. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so um, where I was going with this. So, oh, yeah, so here comes the bug on the hot dough, and I had deer all around me, and I couldn't, like, take a slow, steady draw, just trying to hurry up, draw back, and get set. And when I did that, I made some kind of move. I'm not sure what it was, and just made a little noise. And 
the deer stopped and they like pinned me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm again, I'm full draw. Yeah, I, I held it back. I, I timed. I think it was like. 59, 50, 58 seconds, but felt like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a, one little small window of about 30 yards, and they, they started kind of like walking around me. And and then so I had, a, I had to hurry up and move, put my pin in the window, and wait for the doe pass through, and then here comes the buck while he's walking. I couldn't grunt or stop him, so I had a <laughs> – it was it was experience. I never shot a deer walking. Yeah. And then I let the mega meat fly, and it, it was not a perfect hit hit a little back you know but the sucker just ran 40 yards and dropped those that mega me just oh, dude. destroyed them they're nasty yeah. they're nasty broadheads no doubt that it's kind of like dude those moments when you got to be pulled back for so long that's just something you don't practice for oh no i that reminds me like this year i'm gonna like stand on one foot you know, squat down. I don't know. Hold the bow back for yeah. a minute. Just dude, that's just something you can't prepare for. Unfortunately, like um, one of the first bucks that I shot on film, my buddy Josh was with me, and so um, it, it was the opening day, and like we had this deer like figured out. Like it, we just went in with like such confidence, thinking like you know we're definitely getting this done. And to our amazement, we were right. And he like shows he shows up. 25 yards broadside he's coming in he like looks down for a second like down and away so i'm like oh perfect you know draw back everything's going smooth and all of a sudden he stops and like looks right through me and he's broadside but there's a like 15 inch diameter tree blocking all of his vitals (laughs) and i'm pulled back and i'm like okay you know it's fine you know we'll just wait wait this out and dude, it felt like for three days I was holding that bow back and I was, and he was just looking right at me. Like I was almost like trying to figure out a way to like lift my foot up on my, on my handle and hold it with my leg. Cause my arms were about to explode. It was crazy. Dude, those, those moments are so tough. It's like, you never forget them. Like the worst case, like, Oh my gosh, I'm just stuck. Like, yeah, here's this one tree. Everything else is wide open and you stop perfectly right where this this tree is it was crazy then like last year or uh, yeah last season when i was filming ben on tall boy um that you know he was like following a, another really nice eight point and um you guys are going to see that in the first episode it's a really good hunt but tall boy comes in like following this really nice 150 type eight point and the eight point reads the script walks right down this field edge tall boys right behind him like ben pulls back after the eight point walks past and then tall boy just stops and then he turns i'm like what like he's gonna go in the woods so ben holds forever and then finally he lets down and then has to redraw it's like dude why did he do that right it just it made no sense but yeah, those moments, man, those are so tough. Like, being pulled back on a deer for a long time is so hard. I wish there was a way to prepare for it. You just can't. <laughs> I guess when you're shooting your target, just sit there and just hold your bow back for a little bit. Yeah. So, um, all together, man, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to go to Alabama and kind of redeem yourself and, um, you know, punch a tag because you deserved it. I mean, all the – you went through a bunch of, bunch of hoops last year and – some wild chases and stuff, but you know, that's what makes, I think a really good story and whitetail edge, you know, we do our best to keep it real. We do our best to keep things relatable. And I think that's why our audience, um, 
you know, I guess they can just relate and they resonate with it, um, showing our struggles and stuff. And I think your story is, you know, right up there, you know, with most of our audience. I mean, you think about those stories of like, I oh, just, you know, just couldn't catch up with this deer or that deer. And you had a few of those instances last year. Oh, yeah. It wasn't yeah. just one deer. Yeah. Way too many people think it's so easy to just go out there and sit and here comes yeah. a giant. But. So this, this was your first year like filming too, right? I filmed a little bit in the past, but not like every sit. Yeah. What, I mean, what's your thoughts? Takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be dedicated. Yeah, for sure. Because during the, the bump and grind, during the rut, you're just wearing out like, man, just. That's an additional 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And that and, you know, an additional weight carrying it in. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like, at least 10, 12 minutes set up. Then not only set up, but then you got to break it all down. And, um, you know, I'm not saying anything that anybody that doesn't self-film now or self-films now. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But basically, they know. If they film, they know what I'm saying. But if you don't. It's just constant, man. It's like always making sure this is charged, especially during the rut. Like going home, you know, after you're done, wore yourself out in the tree, you set everything up, and then you break it back down, you come home, you recharge everything, wipe down lens, and then you got to make sure you don't forget anything for the next day. Right. It's, dude, it's, it's rough, man. It's a lot to it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then a lot of times, especially in the rut, it's going to cost you a deer. It's a whole new challenge, but I just love the challenge. You know, it just yeah. makes it more difficult. And just when you, when you kill a deer on film, it's just more yeah. rewarding, you know? Yeah. I think so too. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've said it before, but like I, you know, obviously I fell in love with hunting originally, just bow hunting. Um, but then once I started taking a camera to the woods, man, it was like this whole other art form that I just fell in love with. Oh, yeah. And it's not like I was just telling you on the way here. It's not just so I can see my face on a screen or anything like that. It's just I don't know what I love about it so much. It's it's such a pain. But so is deer hunting. Right. Like, dude, I don't – how many people have hobbies that stress them out like we do? And I wouldn't say it's a hobby, man. It's It's our life. Right. Like, it's – you know, right up there with obviously God's first family and then deer hunting. Absolutely. And it's so weird that we enjoy something so much, but there's so much suffering. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Especially but, when you're bumping and grinding and gone away from your, your family and you're sitting there like, I feel like a selfish individual up here. <laughs> My wife's grinding away at home, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah you, you get it, Dylan. You got kids. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But again just like going back man like i encourage everybody to self-film or it doesn't even have to be self-film but i encourage everybody to go film your hunts and i I know a lot of people are you know and there's options out there like with gopros and phones but getting an actual camcorder in the woods on a on a tree arm a camera arm and and doing it man it's it's a lot of fun like you no longer have to try to remember everything if it's all on the video right can you imagine like 10, 20 years ago when I had the big box dude cameras? No, <laughs> I could not. I started off with a little handy cam. You know, right. it's like the size of my hand long. And uh, I don't know. I thought like, I, I don't know. I just grew up watching like Monster Bucks and 
the juries and stuff like that, and they all had the big cameras, so it felt weird, like, carrying out this little thing. Right. But, but, I mean, even today, like, you know, I've obviously, like, stepped up with better cameras, but even the camcorders that we're using now are a fraction of the size of what they were using back then. Right. Freaking things are huge. Oh, yeah. Some guys still use, like, big, giant cameras for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, a lot of guys have moved to, like, the DSLRs with big, like, telescopic lens and stuff like that, which is cool, but... Right. Some, some of the guys are still using giant. I don't know why. I don't know what they are, really. I'm kind of camera dumb. Just doing the old school way? No, it's not like an old school camera. Oh, okay. It's like a newer camera. It just must be like really high on, hmm. I don't know, above me. Right. Hey, I want to circle back to like land development. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't even told you this, so you're going to oh. learn something here. Nice. I'm really excited about this new spot that uh, we call it the washout. Mm-hmm. At Wyatt Washout, because there's a culvert that kind of goes through here and get just washed out of the hole right there. Yeah, great spot to look for arrowheads, by the way. Oh, yeah. learn something every day, right? Check them out. Yeah. <laughs> Why I, I'm excited about this spot, because I, I have a, a stand, a redneck, probably about 150 yards to the north of this, and these deer always went up up and down around this washout, back and forth from bedding area to bedding area. It's where the majority of the buck boot was at. So I... I don't really have a good tree to put in, so I had to get a redneck and put mm-hmm. it right there. And I was afraid like these deer would skirt low along the, like the waterway. So I learned I learned it from different podcasts. Listen, also, also Bobby, you know, he stacks up trees to help funnel deer yep. to you. Yep. So I I made it my own uh, barrier and just to funnel these pinchies deer in to me, I know they're going to come crossing right there in front of me. I'm going to have a nice scrape tree right there. Oh, yeah. The Black Widow. Yeah. It's going to be a 20, 30-yard shot. Bam. Well, that's what you think. That's what I think. I mean, that's, because, if they do the same pattern they did last year, yeah. it's a no-brainer. Well, so I have, like, this kind of similar story. Like, um, when I killed SK2, um, I was hunting this, this timber. It was, like, on the edge of this timber to my left was, like, it started to open up because it, I was sitting on the edge of the timber on the edge of a big ag field. And then right to my left, which was also on the edge of the woods and on the edge of the ag field was a pond. And then right below that pond, it was on a slight like hill, but right below um, the pond was a Creek. So like naturally I've got this like land pinch in between the pond and the Creek. And it was coming out of this like perfect bedding right and it was walking into this big open timber so dude it was like money i was like and i actually had a really good encounter with a buck that i was chasing um and he basically read the script but unfortunately he crossed the creek which i mean i knew that wasn't like impossible for them to do but i felt like i had a really good like this really nice land pinch and i'm set up 15 yards off of it in a novix and i'm like this is money this is exactly what they're going to do. Right. And uh, SK2 came from behind me downwind. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what? It was just, I don't know, sometimes you draw it up and you think it's going to go this way and it goes completely different. Imagine that. I would have never get, like, that That hunt still blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't a giant deer, but, you know, he was a good mature deer, like low 150s, but... Um, Dude, I mean, it was November 3rd, so I feel like they kind of, like, start to throw some things out the window a little bit when they're lovesick looking for does. Right. But, dude, directly downwind, it was just nuts. Like, he had to have come out of his bedding, walked out to the ag field, 
and then cut back in the woods. Like he didn't want to walk that pinch for some reason. Hmm. It was weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I was running a camera and what made me think like, you know, when like in this flat ground, it's, it's sometimes hard to find. It can be like just the subtlest little thing because our land is so flat here. So you don't have a lot of these like terrain features and stuff that funnel deer or move deer. And so sometimes it can be like, there's those subtle things like what I just described, or it could be like, um, it could be, um, you know, how they like to hug a old fence line tight in the middle of an ag field. They'll hug that fence line tight to go from timber to timber instead of walking out in the middle of the field. Sometimes they just do that. But I'm just saying like, I feel like more times than not, they're going to walk tight to the fence line or, or whatever. And so I was struggling to get close to any of the deer out there. It was my first year on the property. And, um, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, man, that's like a perfect little land pinch. So, you know, naturally I just put a Spartan there and let it do the work. And what do you know? Like he starts using it. And so when I hung that Novix up, I'm like, this is money. This is exactly what's going to happen. He does the complete opposite. That's deer hunting for you. You think you got it figured out and they yeah. do some total yeah. 180. Yeah. Well, just goes back to like, you know, why we love something so stressful. Right. Right. Going back to the washout, I'm super excited about the spot. Yeah. It's like they go from bedding area to bedding area in between beans. I'm going to put little, surprise, some analogics, radishes right there too mm-hmm. with a barrier. Have a great access, access point. So it's it just, everything's lined up right. Yeah, dude. No, I'm yeah. excited to see it. Like, and that's another thing, like with white to ledge, we've always kind of been like, um, I don't know, just thinking back to like Ben's humble roots with juries. You know, he was always like the working man and had smaller pieces. Like he was just very relatable. Well, Ben has since then, you know, he's older now. He's obviously been able to pick up some ground, buy some pieces finally. And, um, but we've got like a really good mix on our team. I think like, you know, I'm pretty like, I think I'm the only guy that's hunting urban on our team, but I also do like some roll pieces, like my bigger deer this year that I'm watching, obviously it's early, but they're all in roll pieces. Um, but that's just the way it works. But what I was getting at here, um, like, I just think we have like a really good mix on our team of like some guys that don't have any land at all. They don't own any land like me and Dwayne, like we're always knocking on doors or some guys are le- just leasing. And then we got guys like you that are doing these really awesome land projects. So like, I feel like Whitetail Edge has something to offer for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's learning for land development to how to knock on doors, what to say. Yeah. To leasing property, you name it. Yeah. The, the team's so like just genuine, you know, just great, great people. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Great group of guys. But anyway, man, it was a good good discussion. I, I actually real quick before we close this out, um, I want to talk about the buck candy cane and why he got his name. <laughs> Candy cane. This cracks me up. Yeah, so candy cane's the two. Wait, I don't know if we want to tell the big secret, though. Oh, I know the secret sauce. <laughs> Was it back in Space Jam? <laughs> yeah. All right, actually, tell it. All right, so um, candy cane, he ended up scoring 234. But um, I was I was down there. Actually, was, I had him on, on, on camera, on the Spartan camera. And I was down there hunting and stuff. And I had a guy that... John was helping me out on like keep my property look good and stuff, mowing for me and just working hand in hand together. And he knew I was going down there hunting. And I had a mock scrape going and stuff. And 
he went down there on his own and uh, put out some candy canes that I didn't know about until he called. He's like, hey, I had him on my camera. Like, what is this guy doing? You know, I, I got I got this giant buck on my camera right here. Santa He's Claus got, has come to town. <laughs> yeah, Santa's come to town. He puts candy canes out, and he called me. I, I called him like, John, what are you doing? I have my camera. He goes, uh, put some candy canes down. You heard that? It's like, who puts candy canes out for a deer? <laughs> And by golly, that buck showed up the next day and was just hammering those candy canes. I've never seen anything like it. Man, that's just, I don't know. I, we're about to see like a big, I'm about to buy stock in a candy cane before this goes out. I don't know, I'm sure if it was just random. The buck just smelt something sweet, went to it, but he definitely went to the candy that's cane. That's crazy. So I, like, I had to name candy cane. I bet the coons were nuts. Oh, yeah. 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 I found out after that buck was killed that there's different names for him. Like, the guy was really after him. He was hunting him for, like, three years. One guy called him Butterfingers. He was feeding him Butterfingers. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this guy was calling him Bones because he had so many, so much bone, you know? Oh, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. Hey, guys. I uh, Jeff, I appreciate it, man. I uh, appreciate your friendship. Um, last year or last spring was pretty cool. We got to finally hang out, really, for the first time turkey hunting and got my – I wanted to hang my, not hang, I wanted to bang my head up against a wall. Right. Yeah. It was a great time. Yeah. It was fun. Um, you got to see me struggle. <laughs> we had turkeys all around us, but we just, yeah, I don't know. Just, they were not just cooperating with us. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It was pretty rough, but, uh, yeah, no, man, I value your friendship. I'm glad you were able to come in and hang out and I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the white tail edge meeting. Sounds great. I appreciate you having me. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the White Tail Edge Podcast.